you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. passage of scripture as I am just filling you in on what's happening in, in some of the verses and then reading other verses to you today. First Samuel begins with a story about a certain man. His name was Elkanah. Everybody say a certain man. The Bible calls him a certain man. First Samuel opens talking about a certain man. Say that with me, a certain man. A certain man. His name was Elkanah. Now, when the Bible says that there was a certain man, it means that he was a man of renown or a man with exceptional qualities. The Bible says in the third verse that this man, Elkanah, went up out of his city. He left home every year, yearly. He went up to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons, now it makes reference here, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord were there. So they were the high priests. And so this certain man, one who was able to go to this place of worship, went. And it was very important because men of renown, priests of renown were there. Now, in this story, if you read through the book of 1 Samuel, you're going to see that this certain man had some real issues. One of the real issues that this certain man had was that he had two wives. This certain man had a certain issue. He had two wives. Now, remember with me now that the customs of that day were very different than today. Things were completely different. Now, these were barbaric times. And uh, men didn't live as long because, well, they had to prove their manliness that often would end their life. And so they didn't live as long. And so men died. They died in war. They died from 
whatever it may have been, men with two wives has a tendency to die early anyway. Here we have this story of this man by the name of Elkanah, and now he, he he's married to two wives. Now, I just got stumped in this story when I started reading about this man, this certain man, but he has two wives. And, you know, now remember in these days they also married relatives. A good question for the youth group that is here this morning. Who did the sons of Adam and Eve marry? Just leave that with me. They married they married cousins, not Adam and Eve's. They, they couldn't do that. If they were going to bear sons, they obviously must have married their sisters. Needless to say, men that have two wives, that setting rarely works out well, would you say? As you can imagine, in this story, the Bible gives us some insight here. These two wives didn't get along very well. And, and one of the wives' names was Hannah, and one was Paniah. Hannah and Paniah. Now, Elkanah loved Hannah. She was his favorite, evidently, because the Bible said that he loved her and when he gave out the things, his belongings, and he, he gave to them and to their children things, um, he gave to Paniah and gave to Paniah's kids, but he reserved a special portion for Hannah, the Bible said, because he loved Hannah so greatly. But the issue with Hannah was that Hannah couldn't have children. So Paniah, being the second wife, maybe I should put it, provoked Hannah and made her so upset that she would cry for days and the Bible said that she couldn't even eat because she was so upset by her adversary that was provoking her. Now, I'll pick up here in verse number 5. The Bible said, He loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also her, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she, her adversary, provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 8, then Elkanah said to her husband, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why are you crying? And why are you not eating? And why is thy heart grieved? And then Elkanah asked the dumbest question that a man could possibly ask his wife. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So my subject for you this morning 
Am I not better? Am I not better? Now, I almost titled this message because I had a lot of fun in my head. If you could see what was going on in my head while I was reading this story and putting this message together, if you could see the wheels spinning and all the thoughts that was happening in my head, I came up with all sorts of sermon titles for this message today. I almost titled this message a dumb question from a certain man. I mean, a man that would ask his wife, am I not better than you, than your sons? But I didn't think it would be fitting on Father's Day. So since it's Father's Day, I thought I would make it nice and clean and just ask the biblical question, am I, am I not better? So, so I stopped reading the text because of time here, and I've got to get into this message. But Hannah, let, let me give you some insight into Hannah. Hannah wanted a son, and she wanted a son so bad that she literally begged the Lord in, ex, in an extreme way. She begged the Lord to give her a son. And God eventually answered Hannah's prayer and gave her a son. But not until Hannah promised God that if he would give her a son, that, he, that she would lend that child back for the work of the Lord. And so when Hannah birthed Samuel, she took him literally, physically, back to the temple and put him there to work in and around the kingdom of God, around the, the temple, to work around the things of God. And he goes on to become one of the great men of God and one of the great men in history, in the scripture. In this story, it's Hannah who gets all of the credit because of the way that Hannah prayed and because of the way that Hannah sought the Lord. Now, I was remember, I was raised up on a church pew. When I was born, my dad was pastoring, and so being in and around church is all I've ever known. I've really never known a life outside of serving God and being around church. And so I know a lot about the Bible and about the things of God and about the church, and I have heard a lot of preaching. My dad was a preacher. All of my, my family are all just a, a big group of preachers. I've been around preachers. A lot of my closest of friends are preachers. And so I know a lot about preaching and I hear a lot of preaching and I've, I, I've, I've heard a lot of messages about preaching. And in almost every message that I've ever heard, I've always heard the message about Hannah and how Hannah prayed. And when she got prayer right, that God answered her prayer and gave her the son by the name of Samuel. And so I, I've heard these stories preached and I've heard of how it was Hannah's prayer and it was Hannah's desperation and it was how that, that, that Hannah got so desperate before the Lord and these all preach and I've actually preached these messages myself. So I'm not saying these messages are wrong, but I want to come from a little different angle this morning so that you can look at this story maybe just a little bit differently than you ever have because we, we have to look very closely to see Elkanah's contribution into this story. And this contribution is powerful. 
Elkanah's contribution into this story, the father's contribution into this story is so incredibly powerful, yet you have to look very closely to see what he did. Because they're writing about Hannah, who is the person of prayer. And they're writing about Hannah, who's doing all of the right things. She's praying, she's seeking God, she's doing all of this. But we don't see a lot about the father. Because it's just the way it is in life. Moms get a lot of credit. Sometimes dads do a lot that never get noticed. And so, let me just say that sometimes being a father is not glamorous but it's powerful. Being a father is powerful. As a matter of fact, if you look at the, at, at the biblical line of authority and God's plan in the Scripture, although my hat's off to all the moms in this house that's had to raise children without a father, but the way the Bible had it planned and the way God had it planned was for the man to be the powerful voice in the family. He was to be the leader of the home, the spiritual leader in the home. So being a father is not glamorous, but it's very powerful. It's not nearly as reverend in our society as that of being a mother, yet it is an extremely vital role as normal on Father's Day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be speaking to fathers and potential fathers here but I also want to speak to the men in the church perhaps who have not fathered children because I understand that days like Mother's Day and Father's Day can be extremely painful for those who want children and can't have children. And maybe for those who have never adopted and never been able to be a father. But I want to speak to you as well today because you can also play a very powerful role. In a text message from one such father today that stepped in and, and raised a child that was not his but was a father to him and in this church has been a father to some of the young men in this church and I said to him today and tried to pay a compliment to him today because my hat's off because I recognize the powerful role that you can play. And as a father, it may not be your biological children that are into this in this church, but every man who is a leader, who is a worshiper, who is a prayer warrior, who is in this altar, who is leading, who is stepping up to a role, you are affecting the young men in this church and giving them role models that don't have to come from Hollywood and don't have to come from the street and don't have to come from the music industry, but you can be a role model and say, hey, this is what a biblical father should look like in your life. My hat's off to you today. For all of you who have filled such a role, the title father could be rightly defined as leader, one who sets the example and establishes what is normal in the home and in the family and in the church. When we get all confused about where society is and the new norms we hear talked about in society, I'm going to tell you why society has lost its value to what normal really is and all the new normals in life. It is because of the lack of positive role models of fathers in their lives. Everybody, every boy needs a father to affirm him and validate him 
and tell him who he is and who he ought to be in life. And every girl needs a father to protect her and validate her and establish her significance in her own life. They both need someone to look up to while growing up, a symbol of authority, a source of protection, and a voice of affirmation and reason, and to provide a word of wisdom at the right moment. Children need a father to correct them and to acknowledge them and to affirm them and to show love to them. Sadly, the role of a father has disappeared in over 50% of American homes. Research has shown that not only fathers but father figures are absent in the lives of an average teenager and young adult. If you're one of those that was raised without a father in your home, let me tell you this morning, you can break that cycle. Be what you've never had. Be a father. Be a positive role model. Lead by example. Show the world that life and the cycle of brokenness can change here. Young men and women have grown up without a father to validate them or to speak into their lives. Hence, these young ones grow up looking for a father figure and they look to gangs in the street. This could be why drugs and teenage pregnancy has been on the rise for many years because girls are looking for somebody to value and validate them. And guys are looking for somewhere to belong because they feel they don't belong with their own father. The world is missing the role of a father. It should not be a surprise at all that the results of fatherless kids are young, angry men walking the streets ready to slaughter victims in the slightest provocation. This is why it is so important that the church raise up men. I look this morning on this front row and see some young men on this front row. I want to tell you, I believe that these are going to be some of the greatest men that this world has ever known. Great leaders, great fathers, great examples to those that are coming up behind them. My hat's off to them. I believe in you, young men. I know today you're honoring your own father, but I say to you today, it won't be long to somebody's going to be looking at you and saying thank you for being an example to me. Can I step way out on a limb today? Last week I heard somebody talking about somebody being the most sold out Christian and the most faithful individual and the person that is just the most, le- the, the most likely to succeed. And they said something about they had been in the church for about five months. And I stopped for a moment and I said, wait a second, look around you. I, I honor them. I'm glad for that. I value them. I'm not devaluing what they're doing. I'm not devaluing any of those things in their life. But I will tell you this morning that I am looking for some men, not every person has to walk away from God. Not every person has to have a testimony of where life took them to the very bottom of life. You don't have to walk away. I'm preaching to this front row this morning to tell you the greater testimony is to say what God kept me from, what God kept me away from, the life I didn't have to live. The greatest testimony is the example that you can have by saying, I walked with God. You may never be perfect, 
None of us have been. But you can have a testimony. And as for me, I'm going to value those that will walk faithful. We may not have perfect fathers in this church, but I'll tell you this morning, my, if I had a hat on, I'd have it in my hand and over my heart to you fathers that walk so faithfully that get up on Sunday and bring your children to church that come to the house of the Lord that sit down and pray before a meal that that take your children to points of prayer that show up and are faithful and show them what an example of a Christian man ought to be in trying to protect children from child abuse and Social systems has taken away the power from their parents and given it to the child. This has resulted in children being the most powerful force in the family because parents have lost the ability to even correct children. A child is never supposed to be the most powerful force in the family. This is not how God intended it to be. God ordained the Father to be the strongest, most powerful, and most spiritual voice in the home. It ought to not be the, the mom or the wife or the mother that is the most spiritual driving force in the family. God chose men to be the priests of the home. It ought to be men that say, we're going to the house of the Lord. We're serving God. We're going to be faithful. The Father was designed by God to be the head of the family, even as Christ is the head of the church. Absent or silent fathers have led young people who now don't have anyone to tell them right from wrong or show them right from wrong or point, point them in the right direction when they go astray. Fathers are intended to be spiritual leaders. This is the way God designed it. The husband to be the spiritual leader in a marriage. The father to be the spiritual leader to the children. I, I could this morning just go on and on and on. And, and I, won't, I won't be a lot longer, hopefully, if you help me. Jesus, help me. These fathers are thinking, I just want to go to lunch. And not have to mow the yard for one. We have some outstanding men in this church. The Bible teaches us that we're to honor our fathers. And that's what I want to do today, and that's what we tried to do today. We've watched many of you, the way you treat your wife with love, honor, and respect, being faithful. Our ladies in this house ought to be very, very thankful if you've got a faithful husband. And if... If you're in this house this morning and you have a faithful father, you ought to be very, very thankful. The Bible tells us husbands love your wife even as Christ loves the church and gave himself to it. My hat's off to the men in this church. I've watched the way you treat your children with love and compassion, willing to fulfill your role as it may fall to you to provide for your family as the Bible teaches some of you go to work when you're sick, concerned about the welfare of your family. The Bible said a man that doesn't provide for his house is worse than an infidel. Many of you are 
very faithful to the house of God, attempting to fulfill your God-given role to train up your child in the way that they should go. You're a great example to the world. And if somebody asks this morning, whether you say it or whether I have to say it, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer the question of my sermon title this morning, I believe you are better. I believe you are better. The world needs faithful fathers. We often give Hannah credit for the miracle birth of Samuel because she wanted a son so bad that she finally got the attention of God. But we often leave out Elkanah, Samuel's father, all of the years that he lived wanting a son by Hannah. He remained faithful to God. Read the story and see. The Bible said every year, although he wanted a son, he still remained faithful. He still went to the temple to sacrifice. He still went to the certain place. He still went back even without a son. I'm going to tell you what is greater than great fathers. It is a great man who will be faithful even when their children have gone astray, even when their family has gone astray, even when things are not going the way they should, even when God has not answered their prayer. They still remain faithful. On Mother's Day, give me a break this morning, ladies. On Mother's Day, I'm going to give Hannah all the credit. But today, it's Father's Day. And I want to pose this idea. Maybe God honored the faithfulness of Elkanah and gave them a son instead of it being because of Hannah. Maybe it was the faithful father that was the reason that God answered. Hannah got, she was to a point of being, the Bible even said she wept bitter tears. Hannah had become bitter, but the only thought in Elkanah's mind was better. I don't want to be too cliche this morning, but Hannah was bitter, but Elkanah said there's something that is better. He may not have had his question exactly right to, to be foolish enough to look at a wife longing for a son and say, well, am I not better than the ten sons, than ten sons that you could have? Maybe that was a bit of a foolish question, but there's a lot of things that Elkanah did that was right. Come on, men, you need to let the world know that, 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 that they can do whatever they need to do, but you understand your value in this world. Let the men on your jobs make fun. Let the men at the water fountain make fun. But you need to know your value. You need to put your feet on the ground and declare, I am better than that. I'm better than to be that. I'm better than to go there. I'm not talking about being proud in an ungodly way. But you need to be proud to be a man that God has called you to be and made you to be. And declare, I'm better than that. I'm better to live in sin. I'm better than to go there. I'm better than to talk that way. I am better. You're better than that. I know men who have quit, who stopped leading their family, who have given up, who have thrown in the towel. But I came this morning to look all of the men in this building in the face today and tell you you're better than that. 
failure doesn't mean you have to quit. You're better than that. When the enemy comes, I, I, I keep thinking about one man in Scripture and his name is Job and he lost his health and he lost his belongings and he lost everything he had and even his wife came and said, oh, Job, you ought to curse God and die. But I came this morning to tell you Job was better than that. Job said, woman, you talk like a foolish woman. He didn't allow his wife to cause him to fail God. He didn't allow his children. He didn't allow his financial demise. He didn't allow anything to cause him to walk away from his God because he was better than that. I speak to the faithful men in this house this morning and declare, you are better. It's not always the biggest fanfare that gets God's attention. Hannah had a big fanfare. She cried before the priest to the point that one of the priests, the Bible said, marked her face. Sometimes it's not the big fanfare that gets the attention of God, but it's the, it is the silent faithfulness of a father that gets the attention of God and your family is blessed because of your willingness to stand in these evil times and declare, let the world go by, but I'm going to stand for the Lord. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world's going to do. I am sold out. I have made up my mind. Somebody told me the other day, well, you have your kids raised. Well, I have them grown and married, but whether completely raised, I don't know. I don't necessarily buy in to the idea that children are done at the point of 18. My role may have changed. This is the first year in 26 years that I have had a Father's Day without any of my children with me. One is in North Carolina, one in Texas, and one in California, but I'm so grateful. They're all preaching the gospel, all married, godly women, all doing the work of ministry, all involved. I'm so grateful. But my role as a father, I can't say, well, I wash my hands. Come on, baby. Let's go right off into the sunset somewhere. But they still are looking to an example of a father that has got to place his feet on the ground in these uncertain times and declare we're still a one God apostolic church that still believes this message. I'm not wavering. I'm not giving in to the times. It doesn't matter what society says I'm better than all of that I am sold out to being who God has called me to be the father has such an important role in the family unit and in the church it's a role that nobody else can feel the voice and the words of a father cannot be replaced by another we must speak we must verbalize we must communicate to those that we are influencing. The world is trying to silence the voice of righteous men, but it's time we're better than that. We've got to speak up. It's easier sometimes for us to remain silent, but we're better than that. The world wants us to be silent, but we must rise up with a voice in these evil days. We need to be apostolic men with strong voices to ring a clear and a certain sound. 
Fathers impart certain truths and convictions several times in different lessons. I've shared six points that I believe are so very important that I believe that a father that a father imparts to his children. And I'm going to leave those with you once again this morning because there's some things that a father teaches that it's the only, it's the only, it's the most powerful voice in teaching these certain things. When a father establishes these principles, it can become, it can become everlasting in a child's life. The first is a father import, imparts the truth. This is how we feel about God. When the father establishes that in a home and a family, everything changes. Number two, this is how we feel about you. Because every child, boy or girl, needs to hear the voice of a father declare their love and how they feel about a family, about a child. Number three, this is how we feel about the word of God and prayer. Number four, this is how we feel about the church. When a father says, well, mama, take you to church today. I'm going to lay out and take it easy. It, it rings a clear sound to those children. But when a father rises early on Sunday and says, come on, family, get up. We're going to the house of the Lord. It speaks. Number five, this is how we feel about money and giving. Number six, this is how we feel about submission to authority, our pastor and the leader's that God has put over me. Our children will not only listen to our instruction, but they will watch how closely our lives reflect what we say. It's not just what we say, but they want to see our lives match up to what we say. God never intended the Sunday school teachers and the pastor and the youth leader to be the most powerful spiritual voice in your child's life. He intended it to be the voice of a father. Fathers were ordained by God to be the priest of the home. Your family will never survive in this world, much less succeed in this world without a father. The Bible, I'm closing this morning, the Bible tells us about a man named Jarius who had a daughter that was sick unto death. In this story, we could pick up some things that Jarius in this story that it ought to speak to us. The Bible said that he sought to find the Lord on behalf of his daughter. Number two, he brought Jesus into his house to pray for his daughter. And number three, he told his daughter to do whatever he said to do. I want you to get that this morning. He sought the Lord on behalf of his daughter. Number two. He brought Jesus into the house. And number three, he told his daughter to do whatever the Lord said to do. I could preach an entire message on those three points, but the world needs more fathers that will lead their family in such a way. Your family needs you, Dad. Your children, even if they're grown, still need you. They still need you. They're watching you. What is your testimony? Is your testimony one of faithfulness? Is your testimony one of stability? Standing fast in these evil days and declaring, thus saith the word of the Lord, doesn't matter what happens around me, I'm going to stand for the Lord. Not only does your family need you, Dad, but the church needs your voice.
I wish somehow I had more time to be able to push that point across so powerfully. But I believe it ought to not just be the voice of our young people or the voice of the ladies that we hear in times of prayer and in times of worship. But it ought to be the strong voice of men that lift up their voice in prayer, that lift up their voice in singing, that is heard at times of worship. It ought to be the Father that leads our family to the altar. It ought to not be children coming saying, Dad, would you come to the front and pray for me? It ought to be dads that rise and say, Come on, family, we're going to pray. Come on, it's time for us to go to worship. The church needs you. We need men of vision, men of passion, men that are willing to involve themselves in the things of God, to give themselves to a cause that is greater than what they are. It takes your time, your talents, and your treasures. But God is looking for some men that will say, I'm better. It, I'm, I'm too good to spend all of my time. There's nothing wrong with sports, nothing wrong with entertainment, golf, and fishing and all the things that we could spend our time with. Nothing wrong with those things. But you're far too valuable than to spend all of your energy there and no energy or just give God what's left over. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, everything else is going to be added. You want to know how to bless your family? Put God first. You want to know how your marriage is going to be blessed? Put God first. You want to know how your finances will be blessed? Put God first. You want to know how your children are going to be blessed? Put God first. And everything else will be added. Stand with me all over the room this morning. I need to take this home. I want to take it home this morning by introducing you to one that is better. The book of Hebrews talks about one that is coming that is better. He said there is a better way. There's a better future. There's a better hope. The world has nothing to offer. But the Lord stands on the portals of heaven this morning. And he looks out to that one that may not be walking the way they should walk. And the Lord says, am I not better? Am I not better than what this world has to offer? Am I not better than what all this world can give? He stands this morning beckoning you and calling you this morning calling you to come to Him. His name is Jesus. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me. His name is Jesus and He's all you need this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. That's Jesus. He gave His all for you and for me. If you don't know Him today, you should know Him. Don't leave here without knowing Him. I open these altars this morning and I give opportunity if there's some in the house today that would like to step forward and declare today, I'm, I'm going to Him. Why don't you join these that are already moving this morning? Why don't you just come to Him this morning and declare? So that my life is too valuable. I'm, I, I'm far too valuable than just to waste my life away on things that are meaningless. I want to give my best days, my best life. I want to offer my best to him.
If your family's here this morning, if your dad or grandfather's here this morning, you ought to get together as a family this morning. You ought to just go get together today and understand. We're going to support one another. We're going to sit one another up. It's Father's Day. We're going to be strength. We're going to be support. We're going to allow the biblical line of authority to operate in our home. We're going to allow that father figure to speak. We're going to listen. give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Could you lift your voice unto the Lord and magnify and praise him today? He's a good father. He's blessed you. He's helped you. He's blessed your life, your home, your family. Where would we be without you, Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, would you bless all of our fathers with a great big hand clap this morning? God bless you this morning. God bless you and all of our guests that are in the house. Thank you for being here. God.